It's another edition of Life with Jerry Williams, the podcast. Hi, I'm Jerry Williams. Uh, coming up on today, going to talk about a couple of things that seem to be in rather short supply, and it's not because of the coronavirus. These things have been in short supply for way too long in the arena of public discourse. But before we do that, I'm going to share some more good news, some things that are going on despite the coronavirus and, and sometimes because of the coronavirus, people are finding opportunities to do things that are generally considered above and beyond. I'm going to share some of that good news with you coming right up. It is pretty easy, given what's going on in the world with COVID-19, the pandemic, to focus on bad news, on the negative, on things that could scare you or make you anxious, a little bit leery of even stepping outside your home. And, and, and not to downplay what is going on, the coronavirus certainly is a very serious thing that you should take precautions to fight against, but not all the news is bad. Matter of fact, I have a, a couple of little items. I'd like to share with you this week on this edition of Life with Jerry Williams that are happening in spite of and sometimes because of the coronavirus. Now, we know that the airline industry is really experiencing some tough times because of this. People aren't traveling. Uh, you're not supposed to go into crowds of 10 or more social distancing, and many places have shelter-in-place orders, and that is really impacting the airline industry. Well, Delta Airlines, based in Atlanta, announced a, a week or two ago that they would fly for free healthcare workers to coronavirus hotspots to help out because the load is so heavy in some of those places. Well, now, just this past week, they have donated 200,000 pounds of food to hospitals, community banks, community food banks, and other groups. They're, they're working with Feeding America. This food is a surplus that they have since they've had to reduce so many of their flights and very few people are visiting their airport lounges because you don't go to the airport lounge if you're not getting ready to get a flight and nobody's getting a flight. And they realized this stuff is going to expire before people are starting to take flights again. We got to do something with it. And so they are donating it to places where it is really needed. That wouldn't have happened without the coronavirus. Delta, who's been hit hard, is still reaching out, going over and above. More airline-related stuff. TSA employees at Wisconsin's Green Bay Airport have been buying lunch for airport employees who have had their hours cut. People who work for the airlines, people who work for the rental car companies, other people who work there in the airport have had their hours cut. When your hours are cut, your paycheck gets cut. So TSA employees are chipping in and have been buying lunch for 90 or so people that work there in the airport with them. And they say that they're doing it in part because it's the right thing to do. And also in part because of, you remember back a few months ago when the government was shut down, well, the TSA employees still had to go to work, even though they weren't getting paid. And when that happened, these other airport employees chipped in and helped out the TSA employees. And now they are just doing the same thing, returning the favor. In Wales, there's a little village in Wales. Uh, they're under a shelter in place, and the people in that particular village are, are 
adhering to it very strictly. So much so that the mountain goats think that the town is empty. They've come down out of the hills surrounding the village, and they're just roaming the streets, looking around, waiting for the shops to reopen. They've got a similar thing going on in Santiago, Chile, the capital of Chile. Now, this is much bigger than this little town in Wales. More than 6 million people live in Santiago. But they also are under shelter in place. Most of the people are obeying that. The streets are pretty empty. So cougars have been spotted roaming the streets of Santiago. They've actually already captured three of them in the last week. One of the reasons is the streets are empty, no threat to the cougars, but also there's a drought going on in the foothills, and so that's kind of brought them down out of the hills into the city. There's a church in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, not far from where I grew up, who had a member that was diagnosed with the coronavirus. Well, the pastor called him up, see how they were doing, and noticed that there was kind of a sense of hopelessness during the conversation from not just the person who had the coronavirus, but the family. So he said, we got to do something. They sent over a box of groceries, called the family back, see how they're doing, make sure they got the groceries. The whole demeanor had changed. They now had hope because they knew someone had reached out, was thinking about them, was praying for them, loved them, did something concrete to show kindness and show love. Well, the pastor said, well, if we can do that for one family, we can do it for more. Well, they sent out 600 boxes to others in New Jersey who had been diagnosed with coronavirus. That worked so well. It's like these good deeds are addictive that they have now gone national through GetBoxesOfHope.com, partnering with Convoy of Hope and World Hope. And the pastor says his goal is to spread hope faster then the coronavirus is spreading. Samaritan's Purse, the organization headed by Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham, uh, recently in New York City set up a field hospital there right in New York Central Park because the hospitals there have just been so overwhelmed with the need. So they set up a field hospital. And then last week they flew a plane with eight tons of medical cargo to Alaska, including hospital beds, gloves, and gowns, and more to be used in rural areas where medical help is, again, really few and far between. And then the last item uh, happened in Atlanta, where I am based, and also in New Orleans. And and I first saw this on a, a Facebook group that our radio station, the Joy FM, is set up called Spread Joy. If you want to find it on Facebook, it's the Spread Joy group where people are posting things that they're doing or things that other people have done for them to help spread joy in the midst of this coronavirus. At a Kroger supermarket, someone had come in, and Kroger has the senior shopping hours set up from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. every day where only senior citizens are allowed to get in because they are uh, a more at-risk group. Well, someone had come in that morning and said, anything that people buy during senior shopping hours, I've got it covered. Well, it turns out that that didn't just happen at that one Kroger. It happened at 44 Kroger supermarkets in Atlanta and 29 in New Orleans. One shopper was almost done when an employee came up and said, you, you really want to get to the cashier by 8 o'clock. His name was Phil Clower. He's 64. So he said, well, I'm about done. I'll get up there by 8 o'clock. And he did. His groceries came to $290. He went to pay, and the cashier said, it's taken care of. Somebody's already paid for your groceries and everybody else's groceries in the store. 
Well, Phil's working still. He's got a paycheck coming in. He could have afforded the groceries. So what he did was he took $300 and he made a donation to the Atlanta Community Food Bank. So he paid it forward, something that had been not nice for him. Turns out the person who had done this at 44 supermarkets in Atlanta, 29 in New Orleans, was Tyler Perry. Now, you might not be able to pay the grocery bill for 44 different grocery stores in one town and 29 in another. You might not be able to send out 600 boxes of groceries or 200,000 pounds of food, but you can call somebody who is alone. Maybe you know somebody who is in a senior assisted living facility where they're not allowed visitors. Those folks are lonely on a good day. On a day like this, a phone call could really brighten up their life. And once you do that, something like that, you're going to find out how addictive it is, and you're going to be searching for ways to help spread joy and hope in people's lives in the midst of the darkness that we're going through now. There are two things that are in excruciatingly short supply right now, and I'm not talking about toilet paper or N95 protective masks. The shortage of those items is probably directly related to what I am talking about, truth and kindness. And my guess is that you've noticed this as well. If you spend a little bit of time on social media, if you watch or read the news, you eavesdrop on Congress, if you've paid any attention at all to the presidential campaign going on, even the Democratic nomination process, you will notice truth and kindness seem to have evaporated from public discourse. Not that these qualities have disappeared or ceased to exist, but they seem to be in short supply in the interaction between human beings. We live in what has been called a post-truth world. Facts have given way to feelings, emotions, alternate facts and truths and false news. And there's a term in fiction and in film called the willing suspension of disbelief. That means that when you open up a novel or you watch a movie, you willingly set aside your adherence to truth and facts. You understand that what you're reading or watching is not true, but you go along for the ride, accepting the premise presented, no matter how improbable or impossible, because it's part of the experience of fiction. Well, that willing suspension of disbelief seems to have entered everyday life. And the danger is that emotions and feelings, while they are real and they are valid, are not, however, fact. And they are very often based on perceptions that are uninformed, partially informed, untrue, or subject to sudden and rapid change. And when those opinions or conclusions or statements, which are not based on fact and truth, are questioned or opposed, those holding those opinions can't defend the position with fact or truth because they're not based on fact or truth. So they resort to acrimony. And then they attack the moral character of those holding opposing opinions, which often are based on actual effects. They claim those who hold a differing position are racist, misogynistic, phobic about any number of behaviors. Now, it wasn't always this way. There have always been opposite sides to most positions, often multiple sides to most positions. Yet those holding differing views would usually seek to find some manner of discourse or debate 
where each side presented the merits of their position, respecting those that they disagreed with. And when facts or truth were weighed, there was often an attempt to find common ground. Now, this extreme, almost militant divisiveness, so rampant today, seems to really have exploded shortly after the presidential election of 2016. But there were those who employed these tactics well before them. Now, they were often limited to the lunatic fringe. And many of those people, I'm kind of ashamed to say, claimed to be Christians. There was a church in my town that used to show up at a busy intersection with a bullhorn and posters with what they probably thought were really witty phrases, like, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And then through the bullhorn, they would harangue passing motorists with angry judgments. You know, I really don't know what those people actually believed they would accomplish, just as I don't understand how those more in the mainstream today who employ similar tactics think that that's the way to win anyone over to your cause. Paul wrote about people like that in the book of Romans. He says, therefore, you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And then he goes on a little bit later. Do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. Now, what was it your mom or your grandma used to tell you? You can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar? Well, they were echoing the sentiment that Paul states here. There are riches to be found in God's kindness, God's tolerance, God's patience. And it's that kindness of God which we are to exhibit, which leads to repentance. And that's really the goal of any debate or discussion or argument, is it? Not to prove that you're smarter than the other person or you're right and the other party is wrong, but to change the mind of the other side and to turn them from opponents to allies. And for people of faith, isn't that the ultimate goal? To lead others to repentance, to introduce them to the truth and the kindness of Jesus. And that is it for another edition of Life with Jerry Williams. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please do subscribe to the podcast. And if your platform allows it, uh, leave us a five-star rating, write a review. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions for topics that you would like to hear in future podcasts, I've set up a brand new email address. Are you ready? Here it is. Podcast at jerrywilliamsmedia.com. And I'll put that in the show notes for this week's podcast. Coming up next time, which will be Monday the 20th, I have no idea. I usually have these things planned out pretty far ahead, but with everything that's going on with coronavirus and, and shelter in place and people not being able to get into work, I'm not sure. I've got an idea of what I'd like to do. I'm just not sure I'm going to be able to pull it off by then. But there will be something exciting, compelling, perhaps even something to make you smile a little bit next time on Life with Jerry Williams.